God has a plan, a purpose for each one of us. God has a plan and a purpose for every person sitting here. You're not an accident waiting to happen. You are, let me hear you, you are, you are God's dream waiting to be fulfilled. God has places for you to go. He's got people He wants you to meet. He's got lives He wants you to touch. And He's got things that He wants you to do. Amen? And there is no higher purpose, no better satisfaction, no greater adventure than living to fulfill God's plan, God's purpose for our lives. This is the life. Living to fulfill God's plan and purpose. Living for a heavenly purpose. This is the life. So we said that God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. But now our challenge is, how do we go out and discover that plan? How do we go out and find out what God wants us to do? How do I discover the purpose of God for my life? And to do this, we started exploring nine indicators. They listed for us on page 12. We started exploring nine different ways that God can communicate His plan and His purpose for us. We've covered seven of them in the last few Sundays. We're going to cover the next two this morning. Let's just run through the list on page 12. Recognize the general teaching and instruction of God's Word. Recognize the seeds in your life. Recognize the stirring in your heart. Recognize the grace of God given to you. Recognize the leading of God's Spirit. Recognize the circumstances. And recognize godly counsel and wisdom. So we've covered these seven things. Meaning at any given point of time in our lives, God can use any one of these, these, these indicators to tell us what to do. To take us along His plan and purpose for our lives. God can use any one of these. This morning, we want to cover two more. Recognize times and seasons. And this on page 28. Recognize times and seasons. If you want to discover the plan and purpose of God for your life, if you want to find out what does God want me to do today, now, it's very important to understand this truth of recognizing times and seasons. There's one thing we need to learn about God, and that is that God works according to His timetable. God seemingly has a timetable, a calendar. You know, God has a time in which He does things. He doesn't wake up in the morning and then decide, okay, today I'm going to do this and do that and do that. And, you know, no. He has a timetable which He knows beforehand. He has a calendar, if you will. For example, when God spoke in the Garden of Eden about sending this, the seed of the woman who will destroy the head of the serpent, who will crush the head of the serpent. He knew when he was going to do it. He knew it was going to take 4,000 years. But why did God wait 4,000 years? Galatians 4, 4 says, In the fullness of time, God sent His Son. Meaning God was waiting for the completion. He was waiting for the fullness of time before He could send forth His Son. 
So God has appointed times and seasons for things He does. We have an entire publication outside, a time for every purpose that will teach this whole thing in greater depth and detail. But just to simplify this, God has a time in which He does things. He doesn't do things in random. You know, when God's people were, went into Egypt, into slavery, He said, I'm going to keep them as slaves for 400 years. When 400 years got over, He raised up a man called Moses, got them out of Egypt. Same thing. When His people were disobedient, and He sent them into Babylonian captivity, He said, I'm going to keep them for 70 years. When 70 years was over, He raised up a man, Cyrus, who sent the people back into Jerusalem. So God has... An appointed time, and he, he works according to a calendar that which he determines. Now, in a very similar way, but at an individual level, God has a timetable for you. Psalm 31 verse 15 says, My times are in your hand. Let me hear you. My times are in your time. The times, the when, the how, the why of life, the whens of your life are in God's hands. My times are in His hands. The calendar of your life does not hang on, on the wall in your bedroom. But the candle, calendar of your life is in the hand of God. Amen. My times are in His hands. The Bible also says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, a very familiar scripture, we sing that song. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. To everything there is a season. There is a time for everything under heaven. For everything there is a season. So now you're sitting here this morning and maybe you have in your heart a vision of what God wants you to do. Or maybe several things that you feel God wants you to do. More than one thing. But what we must understand is this, that for everything that's in your heart, there is also a particular time. You don't go out from here and try to do everything that God has put in your heart. True, they may be from heaven, but there's also a time, a timing, a season for that to unfold on the earth. And verse 11, Ecclesiastes 3 says, He makes all things beautiful in its time. He makes all things beautiful. He brings them to perfection. He brings them to fullness, to maturity. When? In its appointed time. He makes all things beautiful. So what I want to encourage us to do is this. Learn to live life. Or learn to view life and live life as a series of seasons. View where you are today as a particular season of life. You are not going to remain where you are for the rest of your life. This is only a season. It has a beginning. It has a end. And a new season will come. Amen? Even if you don't do anything, in the natural, a new season is coming. So what do you mean? Very likely, you're going to wake up one morning and you'll find out you look a little different. <laughs> I didn't want to get too graphic. <laughs> you'll wake up one morning and you'll find out you can't kick the ball as hard as you can kick today. 
Amen? It's a new season. <laughs> and so also in our journey with God, in our walk with God, we go through seasons that God takes us through. And what we must understand is this, that in every season, God has a purpose. If you understand the season, you can understand His purpose. If you understand the season of life you're in right now, you'll understand what you're supposed to do. And what you're not supposed to do. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32 says, The sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. So here were this tribe. They understood the times, and therefore they were able to tell Israel what to do. Understanding the times will tell you what to do and what not to do. Do you all understand that? Amen? When you understand the time, the season of life that you are in presently, you will, you will be able to determine what course of action, what purpose am I supposed to pursue, what are the plans am I supposed to carry out. Because the understanding of the times will teach you what you are supposed to be doing. So take a step back and sit down and say, God, what season of life am I in? Now, if you're a student studying in 11th standard, I can guarantee you it's not God's purpose for you to get married. Amen. Unless you're 35 years old and in 11th standard. You know? <laughs> but generally, when you understand what season of life you're in, you will know what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, it says, A wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment because for everything there is a time there and a judgment. Meaning, for every matter in life, there is a time and there's a right, there's a right time, there's a right thing to do it. Right thing to do and a right time to do it. And it's a wise man who will understand both time and the action to take. So our goal should be, God, what season of life am I in? Please give me some wisdom to discern what season, what is, my, what is the time of life I'm in, what kind of action I'm supposed to take. Very simple. And live life season by season. And if you will do that, you'll find out that as you walk with God season by season, you're just going further and further in His plan and His purpose for your life. There is no point in worrying about some season that's like five years down the road. Relax. Just do what you're supposed to do in this season of life. Amen? Don't get worried about that season. When it comes, you'll figure out what to do. What's the season of life you're in today? Determine what you're supposed to do in this season. And do it. Now, there are several examples of seasons that we can talk about. Let's just talk about a few of them. Foundation laying season. 
There are different times in life when you'll find yourself in a, what we can call as a foundation laying season. You know, in a foundation laying season, you're laying the groundwork for something that's going to come out in the future, a bigger work. And usually when you're laying the foundation, what you're doing is you're digging down. It's very messy. You, know, you go to MG Road or you go to some other places where they're laying the foundation for buildings. Nobody stops by and says, whoa, what a nice building. Or, whoa, what a nice, deep, big hole is here. How beautiful this look, thing looks. It all is very messy. And sometimes it looks stupid. You're supposed to be building the other direction. You're going the wrong direction. Maybe the architect put his plan upside down or what? I don't know. They're going the wrong direction. No, 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 no. They're doing the right thing. They're in a foundation laying time. That's why things look a little, it doesn't look glamorous. Nobody stands there and claps, you know. What a wonderful big, big hole you've dug in the ground. Nobody does those kinds of things. They're just going through a time of laying the foundation. But there are certain objectives they want to achieve. Uh, they want to have a strong foundation. So they want to dig really deep. If they want to go really high, they want to go really deep. They want to build a foundation which will allow them to grow high, far and wide. So they're digging. Now in life, God sends us through these kinds of seasons. Take for example, those of you who have just finished college and you get your first job. This is going to help you. It's your foundation laying season of life. You don't walk in there on the first day of your job and expect it to be treated like the big boss. No, sir. The next three years of your life or four years or whatever it's going to take, you are going to lay the foundation for your career. Amen? You're going to, go to, you're going to have to do some digging down. They won't give you the big easy chair. Because you've got to lay the foundation. You've got to, maybe, you know, you've got to learn. I mean, let's, say, let's assume you're in the engineering field, you're in software engineering. You know, you've got to learn architecture. You've got to learn coding standards. You've got to learn design standards. You've got to learn all about the process of how things are done. You've got to learn about, you know, the quality, how you stay by this quality, uh, the levels of quality that's expected of you in the organization. And to make matters worse, you've got to learn about being a good team member. They don't teach these things in college. You say, I got a bachelor's degree in engineering. I got a master's degree. Fine. But they never told you how to, to work with that team member of yours who's irritating you all the time. And so you learn this during your foundation laying years. And then in your foundation laying years, you learn how to put up with that nasty boss. I mean, he might expect a lot of thought from you, might drive you, push you make you work hard, and you do all these things. When? The first three, four years on the job. Watch it. You're laying the foundation for a good future in your career. Now suppose, you know, you they work there for three months, and you, you say, I'm quitting this job. There's so many software jobs in Bangalore. I'm quitting this job. My, that guy, he irritates me all the, long, all the while. My boss, he's so mean, so wicked. I'm going to find another job. And you run away to another company. You know what? You're going to start the same place. You still have to go through that foundation laying period. 
you're still going to find at least one person <laughs> in your team who's going to keep irritating you. You're going to have at least one boss who's going to be very demanding, pushing. And until you learn to go through that foundation laying period, you're not going to have a strong career. You're not going to be able to rise up, go high. You've got to go through that. It's a foundation laying seed. So what should you do? Go through it. Just go through it. Learn the things you've got to learn. Understand it's a foundation time. You know, they may not come and applaud you, but you know, after three years, after four years, they'll say, hey, look at that guy. Huh? He's learned all the standards. He's, he's, he's doing an excellent job. Maybe to now we can make him a team leader. Now you can walk a little bit like your boss, you know. And you've moved out of that foundation laying season into another season of life. Think about our church. The first four years of our church and when we began to work and labor in this church. On purpose. We knew. We knew. It was our foundation laying time. So on purpose. We, we just stayed put here. Focused on just ministering and building this church. You know, David Prem is here. I'm somewhere sitting here in this auditorium. He knows what I'm saying is true. We used to get letters from different people. Please come and preach here. Please come and preach here. We had a standard letter. Thank you for the invitation. In the future, we may be able to do this or something like that. I will just send it back. We could have gone all over the country preaching here, preaching there, doing this, doing that. But no, we knew we were in a foundation laying season. If we want to have a good foundation for this church, we must stay focused on this. Amen? Once we have a foundation, then we can run all over the country and all over the world and do everything else God wants us to do. A season for that is in the future, not now. So if you learn to live life season by season, you will know exactly what God's purpose is for you in that season and do it. Let's talk about some other seasons. We can talk about a tunnel season or the night season. Tell a neighbor, it's not time to sleep yet. You're only talking about the night season. <laughs> the night season of life. It's those dark things. You know, Some of you may have gone on the toy train and sometimes the toy train, you know, you're going on it and it go, they go through a dark tunnel. Everybody starts screaming, yeah. <laughs> and you go to the tunnel, and there's only one way to come out of the tunnel. Go through it. It's all dark. You can't see anything. And sometimes we go through those night seasons of life. Tunnel season. It's dark. You don't know anything. You're just walking by faith. You're trusting God that He will take you through it. But you know there's an end to this tunnel. You're going to come out of this tunnel. So there are night seasons of light. There's a just enough season versus a, a season of abundance and harvest. And all you young men who are very eager to get married and young ladies very eager to get married, listen very carefully. Once you get married, you step in to a season of just enough. You say, what do you mean? Explain it a little bit further. See, till that point, you're living in your father's house. Your father earns all the money. Every time you want to go to KFC, you take it out of your father's pocket. And your father's providing all this for you. you know? 
everything, everything. You know what it is? The moment you get married, you go out. You start your own home. All of a sudden, you're living in a small home. That's all you can afford. And uh, no servants. You have to do all the work. And, uh, you know, depending on what your salary is, you're just hoping that you will go through with your salary till the end of the month. And that's how you begin. Now, sometimes you may feel, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> no, 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 God has not forsaken you. You've just changed seasons. You've gone from living dependent on your parents, starting your own family, your own house, living with your, out of your own salary, you and your husband's salary. And so when you usually, when you begin, you, just, you have just about enough. And what happens? You learn how to manage your money. You learn how to, you know, say no to whatever your BDIC in, in Forum or Garuda or wherever else. You learn to do more window shopping than real shopping. <laughs> Why? Because, you know, you've got only so much money. And you're going through a season of life. It's not going to be like that forever if you learn how to do things right. What will happen? Soon, you, as you're doing well, you do well in your job. Soon, you're able to earn more money. You move out of a one-bedroom to a two-bedroom. Johnny and so on come along. And, and you know, you now get a bigger car. And so on and so forth. And slowly, you, you know, you go into, you move on into a season of plenty. A season of abundance. But what's the key here? The key is to learn to be faithful in what you have. Learn to manage the little that you have. Luke 16, verse 10, 11, Jesus said, If you're faithful in little things, He will give you much. So if you want to move out of the season of just enough to a season of abundance, you've got to learn to manage the little that you have right now, and then God can take you on and trust you with more. There are other seasons of life, seasons of grief and sorrow. There are seasons of trials and challenges when you go through some real difficult times in life and God begins to deal with a certain aspect of your character and you look to God and say, God, why am I going through this tough season of my life? And God speaks and says, you know, I want you to work on this aspect of your character. And you begin to work on that character and then you pass the test and you move on. You come out of a season of, of, of testing, of challenges, of trials and challenges. There's a season of motherhood. You know, all the mothers here. You get married. You've done your PhD, your MBBS, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and here, you know, Joshua and Ruth come along. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're stuck at home. You know, taking care of Joshua and Ruth. I said, God, I spent these so many years studying and getting my degree. And here I am sitting at home taking care of Joshua and Ruth. Well, it's a season of motherhood. Amy knows it very well. You know. <laughs> but that's going to change. Because Joshua and Ruth are not going to remain at three years of age for the rest of their life. They're going to grow up. They're going to go to full day school. And then you have more time. And you can begin to do what, the, what God's calling you to do. That season is going to change. Amen. 
It's not forever and ever. Then there's a season. I haven't put it down. But there's a season of serving under another man. Luke 16 verse 12. Jesus said, Who can give you what is your own if you are not faithful in what is another man's? See, there are many times when you go through a season when God is just letting you be faithful in what is another man's. Maybe you're working for somebody else and in your heart you're saying, Oh God, I wish I could start my own business. Oh God, I wish I could have my own company. But listen, this is a season where you've got to prove yourself faithful in what is another man's. Amen? Be a good employee, and then God can one day let you be an employer. So just be faithful there. Say, God, inside my heart, there is this burning desire to start my own business, my own company. I want to be my own boss. But right now, uh, for whatever reason, God, I've got to work for this, this company. I've got to work for this man. I've got to learn a lot of things here. But while I'm doing this, I want to be faithful. And then the Luke 16, 12 principle begins to go in effect. When you're faithful in another man's, God can give you your own. That's a season. You've got to be faithful in what's another man's. Then God will trust you with what you own. Amen. I remember, just to give you more examples of you know, making this relevant, I remember when we were in, in Chicago, uh, the last place we were before we moved back to India, we, we purposely chose to be part of a small congregation there, uh, Abundant Life Worship Center. And... Uh, it was a very small congregation. It was about 10 people. Amy and I decided, 10, 15 people. Amy and I decided to be with there. And we said, you know, we're just going to be and do whatever we, whatever we can to help this pastor. Whatever we can. Just be there and serve under another man. Now, we, were already, we already had opportunities to minister outside and other places. Inside us was the burning heart, desire, desire to come and establish a church in India, in Bangalore. But while we were there, we said, God, we will just serve under another man. Just serve. Whatever he wants, we'll do to help him. So there were days when, you know, I would help put the chairs out. And then after service, help pack the chairs. Then mop the floor. Clean up the floor. I was doing that before coming back to India. Mop the floor because you were renting a a school hall, and the school required that after you've used the thing, you've got to clean it up nice and go. So doing that. And in my heart, every time I was mopping the floor, I said, God, I'm sowing seeds of service. So that one day when we go back to India and start our church, you will send people in who will sow seeds of service in what we have to do. I'll be faithful in what is another man's. Then you can entrust me with what is my own. Amen. He did it on purpose. Being faithful, serving under Another man. So God takes us to different seasons of life. And, and you have to understand what season of life am I in right now? Therefore, this is the purpose. This is what I'm supposed to be doing this season. Just be faithful in it. Do it. Go through this season. God can take you on to the next. Amen. Last indicator of God's purpose for our life is this. Recognize God's pattern of working. Recognize God's pattern of work. I'm going to go through it quickly. One thing we need to understand about God, which the Bible unveils to us about God, is this. That God is in the, quote-unquote, habit of setting up patterns, examples, or models in people's lives. We see several cases in the Bible. About Paul, in 1 Timothy 1, 15, 16. 
Paul says, cry, you know, uh, whatever happened in his life, verse 16, he says, For this reason I obtain mercy, that in me, first Jesus Christ, must show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. He says, you know, whatever Jesus did for me, in me, it's a pattern to other people. The same thing we see in Abraham. Abraham is called the father of faith, and God says, I want you to follow the steps of that man. If you want to learn to walk in faith, follow the steps of that man, Abraham. He's a pattern of how to walk by faith. The case of Job, God says in James 5, verse 10, 11, he says, Job is an example of endurance. Be a man like endurance. You want to see a pattern of endurance? Look at Job. 1 Corinthians 10, 5 and 11 talk about the fact that what happened to the people in the Old Testament, Israel, is it a pattern, it's an example for us of how we should live our life on earth. So God has set up patterns in people's lives. And what we will understand is this, that in the way God works in our lives, very often we will discover there's a certain pattern of God's working in our own lives. There's a certain way in which He works. If you will look carefully in your own life. Certain way of doing things. Certain way that God is unfolding His plan. Certain way that God is leading you. Certain way that God is using you. A pattern of God's working in your own life. So look for that. Now don't get all upset if you don't see it today. But start looking. Start being you know, uh, uh, conscious of that possibility. And keep looking for it. Let me just share with you a few examples of how this works. You know, when, when I became a Christian, when I became a Christian at the age of 12, and those first five years, I'm talking about the ministry, those first five years, I noticed God doing something, that God was beginning to use me in a way, in this way, to start off new things. I was studying in Bishop Cotton Boys School, and while I was ministering to the students there, I started a, a, a prayer group in the mornings between 11 to 11, 15, our tea break. And then from that school, God used me to start up a work in Baldwin Boys School and to start up a work in Cathedral School. And I noticed a pattern of God's working that He's doing something in a sense of pioneering, of going out and starting something, not being afraid to step out of the boat and start things. Nobody told me to do it, but God was beginning to use me that way. And so I began to realize this. God is using me to do this. So then when I went to Manipal, and I began to pray and say, God, I know you brought me here. What do you want me to do here while I'm doing my engineering? I'm going to be spending four years in Manipal. What do you want me to do here? And it was during that time that I began to understand this whole thing about pattern of God's working. But God sets up a pattern of working in your life. If you can identify then you will know exactly what He wants you to do. So, I said, God, when I look back the five, first five years of my walk with you, I'm seeing that you've done this thing over and over again. You've used me to start new things. So I expect something like that to happen while I'm here in Manipal for four years. Now, the first two years, uh, I was just waiting on the Lord, just doing whatever, you know, little things, holding some meetings, etc. But in January 1989, in my third year in college, and I, I remember, God put in my heart, God spoke and said, when you go back to college in January that year, start the meetings there. Rent the hall, start a meeting. Went back in January 1989, went back to Manipal after the winter break, rented the hall in Hotel Valley View, started our meetings. 
At those days, we used to call it uh, Believer's Fellowship Meetings. Believer's Fellowship Meetings. It's out of the work. Not afraid. And God was so faithful to provide. And people started coming. And, and then, you know, handed it off to somebody else. And they, they, the work just continued. Till today, it's continuing. What began there, which had its origins there in January of 1989. That work's still continuing today. So, I began to realize this. So then when I went to the United States, as soon as I arrived there at the campus, I said, God, what do you want me to do on this campus? I'm here. I'm probably going to be here for two years. What do you want me to do? I said, God, I've seen a pattern of working over the last nine years. You always use me to start something new. So when I went to the campus there, I first went to a Bible study there. Uh, you know, it was under a particular organization. I went there. I, I, something in my spirit, you know, I didn't make me feel comfortable for several reasons. One, it was all American. What about the international students? How will they gel? How will they fit in? Second, it was mainly for undergraduate students. I'm a graduate student. There's nothing happening for the graduate students. And third, it's not really a spiritual group. So there's not so much liberty to teach the word of God, etc., etc. So the grace of God doors opened up. And I started there an international student's Bible study. And lives were blessed. I could, a sister who's been blessed, she's now in, in, uh, in Hong Kong. Even till today, she contributes to our ministry. Her life was touched there in that international student's Bible study at the, at the university campus. Till today, she remembers what God did in her life. And so, you know, and ever since that time... I see this rep repetitive pattern. God, so I'm not afraid. So when we came to India, I was not afraid to start something new. Why? Because there's a pattern of God's working that is so well established. And I know, no matter where I go, if I start something in, in the work of God, it will succeed. You can send me to Delhi and say, start a church. I'll start a church and know it'll succeed. Because there's a pattern of God's working set up there. It keeps repeating. Amen. So like that, you can look at your own life, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with ministry. You could look, at, you look into your other life and look at other areas. You find that God is using you a certain way. There's a pattern of working. And if you were to stay with that pattern, you will be successful. You'll be able to move forward in what God has in store for you. So what we've talked about in this, in this whole section is there are nine ways by which we can understand the leading of God, the direction and purpose of God for our lives. And I just want to some put them all together and then we'll close in a couple of minutes from, from now. Back to page 12. There are nine different ways God can communicate to us. So at any given point in life, as you're trying to decide, what does God want me to do? What is the way I'm supposed to go? Keep these nine before you. And then you check. Is God speaking to me through any of these ways? Look for at least two or more. Because the Bible says, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. So you and I, look for any, at least two or more of these indicators of what direction God wants you to go. First is the word of God. God will never lead us to contradict His written word. So that you have to be in agreement with His written word. Look for any two more indicators, how God wants to lead you. And go that way. Amen? Begin to use this in your life. And you'll be able to just flow in God's plan and God's purpose. And go with what He has in store for you. 
I want to close this morning just by sharing uh, some real-life examples just to make it, make it all relevant, you know, how you can put all these together and, uh, and, and see, you know, how God works. Sometimes in something, very so, in something very simple ways, God would lead you on into something bigger, lead you on into something uh, greater for your life. Just a few examples. We can sit down and talk about more, uh, many, many, many examples. I just want to hit on a few this morning. You know, for, uh, I remember when in, uh, in 1996, uh, it was a year after Amy and I had got married, and uh, Amy was going to come to the U.S. to join me in September of 1996. I was still working in the university, so what I was getting at that point was very, very small. Uh, and I knew Amy was coming to join me in September, so I needed to move out, and I needed to get a job that would pay much more. And uh, so I began to pray, saying, okay, God, I need to do this. And that time, uh, my, I, I was specializing in uh, instrumentation and sensors. That was my area of specialization. So I was uh, you know, setting a resume, looking for those kinds of opportunities. But it's very difficult to get an opportunity that way. And the fact that I was from overseas, I needed a work permit, etc., made things even more, more complicated to get a job. Now, I had a room, a housemate. His name was uh, Manas. He wasn't even a believer. He was not a believer, but he was my housemate. And he saw me go through all this thing, and he said, you know, why don't you just apply for a software job? And just saying, just so focused on this, why don't you just apply for a software job? There's so many opportunities there. And it wasn't so difficult for me to do that because, you know, we've always, we've always used software in all the work that we're doing. So I said, okay. So I changed, applied for a software job. Things just worked out so beautifully. September, Amy joined me. September, I started my job. And what changed the course of direction? A word from a friend. A word from a friend. And this is so significant. Because today, sitting here in Bangalore, we're running a business that's doing software development. How? One friend, my housemate, said, this changed. And it moved me into a whole new direction. You say, you mean God directed you in His plan of purpose through an unsaved person? Of course. Yeah? Hey, God used a donkey. <laughs> if God can use a donkey, if God can use say, I mean, God can. Amen? So we need to listen. A whole course of life changed because one friend, an unsaved friend, gave me a little counsel what to do. Uh, just another example. Uh, there came a point while we were there together, I think it was 97, when uh, Amy and I, uh, we moved out from, we were serving in an African-American church we were building a good relationship with the Hispanic, the Spanish-speaking community. And we graciously moved out of the African-American church into working full, just, just with the, uh, the Hispanic community. There was a brother and sister, Brother Manuel and Sister Tanya. Uh, not this Sister Tanya. <laughs> uh, who were there. The part, they came from Ecuador. They were living in America. And prior to that, we were working with the Korean Christians. We were working with the African-Americans. We released ourselves from, from both these. I, I went and met the pastor in the African-American church. 
and uh, just requested to be released because we felt God was leading us to work with the Hispanic community. We started working with them to help establish a church, All Nations Christian Church in, in, in uh, New Jersey. In uh, Spanish, it is something else, Iglesia or something, something. So we were there working with them from Michelle in 1997, working with them, um, helping to establish, you know, establishing a Spanish a church for the Spanish community. Now, after about 8 to 12 months, we began to feel something amiss, restless in the area of the ministry. At the same time, I was feeling very restless in my job. I, I started working. Uh, with this company, and of course, at that point, I was working on the main, working on mainframe projects. Those of you who know software engineering, you know what I'm talking about. It's the dinosaurs of software, you know, working on the mainframe. And here in my mind, I'm thinking, God, technology is moving on. All this, at that time, you know, Java technology came out, and lots of new things were coming out. And I'm saying, God, I need to be abreast. I mean, I'm planning to go back to India. And if I go back to India and people ask me, what did you do in the U.S.? And I say, you know, I worked on mainframes. They're going to laugh at me. I mean, you went all the way there to work on mainframe. You know, we were doing that back here in India, you know. And so I said, God, I have to move on. I'm just, so I was feeling so restless on my job. Because I was not satisfied just, you know, doing this mainframe stuff. I had to move on, work with the latest technology. I wanted to be on the cutting edge uh, and uh, I knew all the new, you know, so much is coming out. I need to move on. Feeling restless on my job. And then we began to feel restless in the area of ministry, working with uh, Brother Manuel and Tanya. What happened was we, we were basically leading the whole work. And, uh, and they were just, you know, looking up to us, uh, become dependent on us. And uh, we felt, no, 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 this is not the way it's supposed to be. We are here to help them lead the work. They are supposed to be the leaders, not us. And so restlessness is in both, both these places. So I informed the company. I said, you know, I'm look, I'm gonna, I want to move on to new technology. I want to work with Java technology. I want to move on. At the same time, Amy and I, we met with Brother Manuel, Sister Tanya. We said, you know, uh, we need to hand the leadership of this work to you. We've made a mistake uh, in the sense that we were here to help you, but then we've, take, we've become leaders here. And that's not right. We want to hand the leadership of this back to you. Now, we remember so clearly that they were not very happy when we told them that. Not very happy. Because they would become comfortable. You know, somebody else is leading. It's a a nice comfort. It's a little bit more challenging when you're the leader. But we had to do what God's, you know, what what we were sensing. Now, within about a month or so from the time all this happened, January of uh, 98, I'm not mistaken. Things just changed. I was able to move from New Jersey to Chicago. And with the same company, move to work on, uh, on, on a Java project. So what happened? How did this transition take place? There was a, a stirring, if you will, inside our hearts concerning both these things. I was feeling restless about my job. Saying, God, you know, something, I'm not satisfied here. I need to make a change. I was feeling rest, we were feeling restless about the ministry. God, we've helped so much, but there's something not right here. They have to take on the leadership. They have to lead this work. And within a month or so, the circumstances fell in place. We moved. 
the move to Chicago was very significant. Why? Because we, that was our final stop in the U.S. And when we moved back from there, as soon as we moved back, when we started the company, the work we began with was on a Java project. The first project we were working on from here in Bangalore was a Java project. So significant. If we had not made that move and I would decide, okay, I'll just work on mainframes, come back here, I don't know what, what, where, what, I don't know what happened, what happens. But that move, how did that happen? Something is stirring in your heart. And then circumstances coming together to move you further into the plan and purpose of God. Amen? So just to help you understand, you know, when you're going through life, you look at these things. You know, God can guide you through one or more of these, these, these guideposts and move you further in what He has in store for you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Amen? Let's stand up to our feet. I'm going to call the worship team up here. I want you to stand in the presence of God this morning. We talked about two things this morning, times and seasons and God's pattern of working. As you stand here, I want to take a few moments just to ask the Lord, Lord, what is the time and season of my life? What season of my life am I in? And help me to understand what action I'm supposed to be taking in this season of life. Don't run around doing something you're not supposed to do in the season of life you're in. Leave that for some other time. Just focus on what you're supposed to do in this season of life. So just pray and say, God, what season of life am I in? What do you want me to do in this season of life? Help me to understand both season and action. What do you want me to do? Listen to what the Lord says. Take some time, if you will, to just see if there's a pattern of working that God is setting up, God has set up in your life. Is there something that He's keeping, that He's repeating in your life, a pattern of working? Recognize it. If you don't see it, it's okay. But if you do see it, then recognize it. take some time right now to wait upon the Lord.
God has appointed for your life. Be sensitive to the things that God is doing. The Bible tells us that it is God who changes seasons. Daniel chapter 2. Is He who changes seasons. When God changes the season, just move with Him. Move on with what He has in store for you. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your understanding, Lord. We pray that the Holy Spirit will take the things we've discussed, take the things we've heard, make it relevant to our lives as individuals, that he will teach us how to live, how to apply what we've heard in our lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just declare your word upon your people. Declaring, Father, according to your word, we are blessed coming in. We are blessed going out. That you blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Father, that you always cause us to triumph in Christ. That you lead us all in victory, Father. Declare that into the lives of your people here today. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.